1: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire
0: podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1
1: today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Cubs related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Sunday, October 4th. And I have the misfortunate task of welcoming you to the 2020 2020- offseason, which of course would mean that the Cubs did not win their wild card round series against the Miami Marlins. In fact, they didn't win a game. So the offseason has begun, even though the MLB playoffs will soldier on without us, Brendan. But the wildcard round went about as Poorly, as you could have imagined, and I think if you imagined how the Marlins were going to win this series, it lined up pretty well with how that would have played out. So we will talk about what happened in these games. We will talk about what we've heard from this team in the days since, and we will look forward a little bit, although we're you know it's it's pretty hard at this moment to look forward with much clarity but we will do our best. Uh, A lot of you asked if this would be an explicit episode, and it is, but it's not going to be gratuitous in nature, which I think some of the others have been. Uh, If you're looking for us to come on here and scream and curse and just overall freak out, we don't really have the energy for it. it's just not what, what you're going to get. But we're going to allow ourselves to speak freely with, without the restriction of trying to keep it completely family friendly. But I don't think we're going to go over the top here. So I offer that caveat. If you do not like to hear cursing, if you sometimes listen with children, you'd like to protect their ears or things like that. Here is your warning. Uh, again, I don't expect it to be gratuitous, though you never know. Sometimes Brendan and I set out to to do one thing, and then 40 minutes in, we're completely off the right. rails. So we'll see, but I always like to offer up that warning. Sometimes people listen at work, wherever. There might be some cursing on this. So there you go. Um, but Brendan, I, I mean, I'll, I'll bring you in here. I think when we did our preview of this series, you know, kind of the way we were looking at this was that the Cubs were a, a better team from a roster perspective. Uh, but in a short series, anything could happen. And the Marlins had obviously, you know, done the work to get into these expanded playoffs and, and not to overlook them or anything like that. And, and I think we even laid out, you know, what'll, probably happen is that the offense will disappear as it has for most of this season and in the past couple seasons. You and Kyle will be good and they'll get beat by, you know, uh, a mistake or two and that'll be that. And that is exactly what happened. The Cubs did not look like the team that had been there before, the team that had this experience, and the team that would maybe take advantage of of playing a team that might not otherwise have been in the playoffs. They didn't look like that team. And the Marlins uh, took their opportunity. They grabbed the bull by the horns, whatever cliche you want to do. And they swept this series in two games. So here we are.
0: You shoved, Kyle pitched well, the bullpen, for the most part, did what they had to do in in small innings, and the Cubs offense went away, and they've been away for, what, six to seven weeks now. It wasn't surprising. It doesn't make it any easier, even though you knew that this was a legitimate possibility, but going into that series against the White Sox he saw some sparks and so in my mind I was thinking okay maybe Chris Bryant and this and this healing process is going forward and he'll step up and maybe Javi will get, get out of his funk during you know prime time and that's not what happened and we're left with more questions more uncertainty going into this offseason than perhaps any other offseason in the years past even including last offseason with a new manager so it sucks, dude. It it, it does. It's, it sucks to see the guys react like that. The the press conference with Javi Baez saying he wants to be in a city forever, that sucks to see him like that because he's thinking maybe there's a chance he won't be back and maybe he's right. And then it sucks to see Rizzo in the dugout crying. I mean, he's being consoled by his teammates crying in the dugout. That's not what I want to see. Um, So it sucks, man. I think... It's going to take a little bit to, to kind of reflect and get our bearings on to try to figure out what's going to happen in this soft season. But just the next week or two, just got to let it sit and see what Theo says. He's meeting with Tom Ricketts on Monday. We'll get more information there. But it's just that that first or second week Malaise after losing that playoff series that always gets you but there will be another season There will be offseason news to cover and we'll be here for the next five months talking about this team as we always do
1: Yeah, I think that was really my takeaway from this series was honestly just disappointment more than anything I think if you were surprised by the way those games played out I don't know where you've been Uh, through the course of this season and really in the past seasons, uh, because this was definitely not surprising. And really, this series was a pretty good microcosm of this entire 2020 season, right? The really only guy that showed up on offense was Ian Happ. Jason Hayward showed up in that second game as well. And Darvish and Hendricks were both good, uh, but not good enough. And other than that, it, you know, nobody else really did much of anything. And that was a lot of what we saw in 2020. I mean, with, with, a, with uninspiring
0: Hayward. at-bats too. Like not even, right. not even the hints that, hey, we're going to get out of this. Not even a hint of that. Just a lot of weak contact, a lot of bad swings. You can tell Sixto Sanchez was all in their head, throwing a hundred mile per hour, two seamers with the changeup and the sliders. It's just like, you knew, you knew from the first two innings, like, hey, they're, they're in trouble here. And that's exactly what happened.
1: Yeah. And I I think that the, at least for me, my attitude would have been completely different had the games played out a little different. Um, You you know, like, for instance, the way, if the games had played out more like the last game in that Yankees-Indians series, where Mm. it was back and forth, both teams scoring eight-plus runs, and the bullpen's getting involved, big hits, big moments. Like, maybe I would have been angrier, but... This was a film that we've seen the ending to many, many times, so I, I wasn't really angry. I was just disappointed that, that that this was happening again. I remember talking to you, Brendan, and I was talking about this with my friend Ryan, who I went to the game in 2018. I've been to a lot of uh, playoff games with my friend Ryan, and I remember being at those two games, Game 163 and the wildcard game in 2018, and in the wildcard game I, I I turned to him and I said, I can't believe they're doing this. I can't believe they're gonna this season is gonna end with them not able to score more than a run in either of these games. And I I, I genuinely couldn't believe it. And that was the last time I allowed myself to be in disbelief over what this offense does at times. So in 2019, I wasn't in disbelief. In 2020, I wasn't in disbelief. I was just disappointed. And like you said, it's it's a tough pill to swallow. It, it It's very hard despite the circumstances. And again, we're going to have a while to figure out how to properly evaluate what happened with a lot of these players on an individual basis in – 2020 and in this 60-game season and, and exactly just how we want to weigh all that and, and going forward. Um, but the fact of the matter is to, to watch a lineup that had Baez and Contreras and Rizzo and Bryant and Schwarber and, and these guys just fail again is hard. It sucked. Um, we've We've hit the highest of highs with a lot of these players and a lot of the, the, the main players featured in this lineup. And the last couple of years, we, we've hit some real lows. Um, I wouldn't call them the lowest of lows, uh, but lows. And it's just tough to stomach. Um, you know, but but more than anything, I'm going to get the—I the fr- I, I think it's only right that I have the first curse word yeah, on this it. podcast. All so right. I'm going to take it here. Um, as we always say— there is no question of these guys' effort, right? Um, there's no question of how much these guys care, how much they put into this. They, they, As we talked about a lot, they all risked their own health and safety to be a part of this season. They all committed to the task of keeping each other safe, keeping their families safe, and were the only team in baseball that didn't have a positive test. We've seen so many of these guys, right? Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, all the time playing through injuries, sometimes that we don't know that much about. And, you know, sometimes like with Rizzo's ankle in 2019, some that are very visible and it's crazy to see them playing through it. So we are never questioning their effort, their heart, their drive, their care. And if you do, you're wrong. And I don't know why you're a fan of uh, this team. Like, that's just the wrong attitude. Um, so I offer that caveat before saying the, the, the only real like takeaway from this series, uh, Brendan, from the offense, that was fucking pathetic. Absolutely fucking pathetic. And again, I, I know they're not trying to do that, but to score a single run in two playoff games against pitchers that have not done this before, and Alcantara and Sanchez were good, but they were both beatable in these games, right? And to get a single solo home run from one of the only people that showed up on offense the entire year in Ian Happ, this was just fucking pathetic. Yeah. And it, 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 we can look at all of the decisions, right? I know the decision to leave in Kyle Hendricks in game one was probably the most scrutinized decision, perhaps, of, of David Ross's entire managerial career I mean, so far. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we can look at all of those things. But once again, what we saw from this offense is that they put Hendricks, Darvish, and Ross, the management, in a position to have to be perfect and it just stinks. It really, really stinks. Both of these pitchers, even with Hendricks giving up the three-run home run, were good enough to win playoff games, and it's just a shame that when the Marlins put up the runs, when they when they hit the three-run homer in game one, and when they got the single run across on the solo home run to start their scoring in game two, I don't know one person that genuinely believed the offense was going to come back in those games and i i i never try to be like defeatist right like i i try to believe in the guys but again if you were anything close to surprised that the offense didn't show up they they didn't have those good at bats they didn't have that grinding approach they didn't manage to push anything across um i i don't know where you've been for the past while and it's it's disappointing and yeah, I, I mean it. It just frankly sucks, and and obviously it leaves us in a really really weird place yeah. for this off season, and just trying to evaluate everything going to the future. But I, I mean, straight up, man. I mean, there there's no other way to describe this offense than pathetic. I I, I really believe that. Um, and I'm, I'm looking, going back to the NLCS with the Dodgers in 2017. I'm going to read off. This includes game 163 in 2018. Here, here's the run totals for the Cubs offense uh, going back to that series with the Dodgers. So their last three playoff appearances. 0-1-1-1-1-3-1-1-2. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't know what to even say beyond that. I mean, that is so pathetic and feeble. It's crazy, and it's crazier because we've seen some of these guys have huge playoff moments, and for that to be the result, you know, it. it you can draw your own conclusions about this group and, and and how things should proceed forward, but those run totals aren't going to cut it and it, it it's it it was not shocking or surprising it was just bitterly bitterly disappointing to see this unfold in the exact same way that we've seen in the past few years
0: well i struggle to i guess say is pathetic cuz that can be interpreted as them being unprepared or them not saying that you're saying this but them just not not caring as much or them well that's why I started I know by you saying did not to I know it. you did but I'm just like emphasizing and throwing out other things as well and it could be interpreted as them like I don't know not stepping up in the big moment because as you said Corey this team many of these guys won a World Series this is not an issue of them not being clutch even though they've had issues at times and higher leverage situations but what happens in those higher leverage situations typically you get your relievers or typically you get the opposing team's best pitcher that typically throw a lot of fastballs a lot of fast fastballs and a lot of heavy breaking balls and so the 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 more I think about this, and this is always going to be just like a revolving door of different thoughts over the offseason. I don't think anyone truly knows what the hell is going on over here. Um, that's pretty evident with Theo over the past two years and all the weird, at times conflicting shit he said, um, especially after 2018, where he said, we're going to make changes and then we never made any changes. So I think really where I'm at right now is this team as constructed, which it was constructed about six, seven years ago. Was made in a completely different era of baseball, mm-hmm. and this this is not to say oh stat cast ruined this. It's not that. It was a philosophical change in 2014, 2015, 2016, where you had the launch angle. You do have now some of the tech to promote some of the launch angle stuff, and this is all in generalities. But you see what Justin Stone and Driveline and Elite Baseball and what they're doing. It is beyond even you and my. Comprehension. I didn't grow up in this era. I have no you look at those computers that Justin Stone uses to track some of these biokinetics. What the hell are they looking at? And so you had a philosophical shift in 2015, 2016, and 2017. That shift exposed a lot of the weaknesses of these players whom Theo drafted and traded for and ultimately won a World Series. And those weaknesses have persisted for three years and it has perplexed us because when they developed and had success, they were doing so against completely different types of pitchers. I mean, we've how many times, Corey, have I tweeted or complained to you in a message or even on this podcast about the up and in fastball? You that pisses me off the most when you got guys can you hit up and in with fastballs nonstop. But it speaks to the strategy against these guys, where a lot of these similar hitters, they struggle against the same thing. You have a very homogenous type approach, where you have, whether it's Schwarber and Rizzo from the left-hand side, or whether it's Contreras and Javi and KB from the right-hand side. What do they do? It's up and in fastballs and low and away breaking stuff. And you've seen and heard other players from opposing teams, whether it's the Reds or other teams or the Cardinals. They'll tell you what they're doing in attacking these guys. They have the same holes and it's been exposed. And looking at Bodie as one example, he came up in 2018, had success because he was slamming low fastballs. What happened? They adapted, started throwing more up and in fastballs. And ever since then, Bodie has been good, but maybe not to the extent that some, you know, really hard fans for Bodie expected because he just couldn't adapt and that is kind of symbolic of the rest of the hitters I think you have a group of guys who are good these are good hitters but when each and every one of your star hitters have the same weaknesses you're going to go through these extremes on both spectrums where you have one extreme putting up eight runs for a few for a few games for a week or so and then for a month they're not going to hit because you have maybe facing a lot of division guys with a lot of pitchers who know how to attack this, this team. And that that is, that is what happened, I think. And this is all generalities. We're going to get more data. We're going to think about this more carefully. But where I'm at, unfortunately, is I kind of want to break it up a little bit. And I don't know who, who that's going to be. And I don't even know if the data and the stats are backing it up. But from watching all these games they got the same holes, man. They got the same holes in this roster and they're good. And some of the overall numbers back that up, whether it's weighted on base average or what have you, whatever you want to use. But again, we're talking about peaks and valleys and extremes and trying to smooth out some of those extremes. And what's happened over the last three years is the extreme on the negative side has happened at the end of the season and they go out without even a whimper and they get absolutely destroyed. And I think that is emblematic of something the Cubs and Theo Epstein in the front office, not to their, I guess, negligence. No one could have predicted this, but they built this team with the assumption that this style of baseball would persist. And it ended four years ago, right when the Cubs won the World Series. There was a huge shift. And unfortunately. The Cubs were maybe
1: one of the last teams built like this to, to, to fall, and I think that's where we're at. You know, the, the main takeaway has to be, now look, the 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 important thing to remember with the playoffs, right? I mean, this was two games. In 2018, it was one game in the playoffs, and, you know, another one, if you count game 163, is a playoff game. So it's it's not a large sample, and judging these guys, as a whole, you know, in their whole career or, you know, trying to make overall sweeping judgments of them as players, you know, this guy stinks because he didn't perform in two games in the playoffs, things like that is obviously not a good idea. But ultimately, you build the team, you have to be able to run through the playoffs. That's how it works. And this is, Three seasons with the playoffs, four total if you count not making it in 2019, where the offense just hasn't been good enough. And at some point, and we kind of wondered if this was going to be last off season. Uh, but certainly, I think the question is almost exactly the same in this off season. Y- you have to accept that this just isn't getting the job done in the playoffs. And we've talked a lot about how it just doesn't seem like the Cubs. Are at the forefront of thinking, as it relates to just baseball right now, and that doesn't mean that they're bad, it doesn't mean that the front office is bad, but when the rebuild was going on, we all saw a very, very clear vision of what was happening yep right, and leading into even two thousand and fifteen, even the off season prior. Everything that happened was exactly what we had been sold, exactly what we all believed in, and it all fell together like a puzzle, honestly, right? We spent years losing games, building value for certain guys that you could trade and try to get high ceiling returns. We spent all this time drafting bats and watching them mash in the minors, and it all made sense. And then leading into 2015, you knew, okay, here's the plan. We're going to rely on these young bats. We're going to rely on this young talent on the offensive side. We have a couple guy, you know, we have someone in Jake Arrieta who we are going to keep in that rotation. We need to go out and fill a couple of spaces, right? And it was a starting pitcher in John Lester and a variety of approaches in the in in the lineup, which ended up being Jason Hayward and Ben Zobrist. It all made complete sense. And it all resulted in exactly what it was supposed to, a World Series championship in 2016. And now that just hasn't worked. And 2017 is is a little more difficult to include in that because, of course, they do win the series over the Nationals. They do score runs in that series. They perform in that series. Um, and, you know, the Dodgers in that year were very good. The Cubs had obviously just won the World Series. So th- that one's a little harder to include. I included it in the run totals just because it's obviously a long string of games where they have not scored a lot of runs in the playoffs. But really, I, I think we're talking like 2018 and beyond it just hasn't worked. And it's it's harder to look forward and say you're, you're super confident in whatever the plan is, right? And I think even just looking at some of these guys, and as we talked about with the offense this entire year and for a while, all of these are different cases. All of these players are in different spots, and you, you're going to have to evaluate them all individually, of course. But one thing I, 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 I was thinking as we're kind of just like appreciating the difference was, and, and of course, this is not to, you know, put more of the burden on, on Kyle than anyone else, but just think of the way that you felt as a fan when Kyle Schwarber came up in the playoffs in 2015 and 2016. You could feel the fear of God <laughs> going into the pitcher when he stepped up to the plate whether it was Garrett Cole in 2015 whether it was Andrew Miller and the Indians and Kluber in 2016 it didn't even matter right you felt terrified for the other team when that man stepped up in the playoffs that he was about to unleash something crazy and you you just don't feel that way anymore and he's just one example but clearly adjustments have been made by the opposing teams And by the the Cubs themselves, obviously, they've changed hitting coaches a lot. We've seen a lot of these guys change their approach, their mechanics and things like that at the plate. And they're just in a different spot. And so the question they're going to face going forward is, how do we feel about these guys on the whole, not just based on their playoff performance, but, but on the whole? And then how do we reconcile the fact that it's just not working in the playoffs, and I don't, I don't know that I have all the answers for that, um, but you know, again, I, I think we wondered if this might happen in the last offseason. And I I don't know. This offseason is going to be hard. It's not a good time to have to do something like this because we don't know what the future looks like. All of these teams are taking a loss. We don't know what revenues are going to look like, especially with attendance. Even in 2021, we have no idea what free agency is going to look like now. And of course, for the majority of these guys, you're now Far past the point of whatever their peak trade value was, so this is not a good time to shake things up. But this just hasn't worked, and you look around the league and you just feel like other teams are ahead of them in in certain respects. And there's a lot that goes into that. And of course, they've they've added a new hitting infrastructure, they've added a new pitching infrastructure, and those changes are showing up in a a lot of ways. And And I think there's reason to be optimistic about that. But the fact of the matter is that for the last few years, the Cubs in the playoffs have run out teams that are hallmarked by a set of names in the lineup, right? And those names are primarily Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Wilson Contreras, Jason Hayward, and Kyle Schwarber right? Other guys have been in there. There's been some familiar names, etc. But those six guys have been the staples of this offense for years now, right? And it just isn't working anymore. And again, there's a very big difference. The just isn't working is relative to what the Cubs standard is right now. And that is winning championships, right? And being a top level team that is a threat to win a championship every single season. And that's just not where they're at right now. It doesn't mean they're bad. It doesn't mean they stink. You know, like they're even if you ran the same group back and it was 162 games, like this team isn't going to win 60 games, right? Like, let's not get crazy. We don't need to be completely like end of the world over here. But the, the question becomes, how many times are you going to run back the same group and get the same result? And then keep doing it. That's really what it comes down to. And I don't know. I have no idea what the path forward is. I don't know what it should be. I I really couldn't tell you. But y- you just can't keep doing this. I, I mean, it, it's it, how often are you going to keep doing this? Because even for as up and down as this 2020 season was, we landed in a place where, like that series with the Marlins, if the offense shows up, it was a winnable series right? It's not like the starting pitching was bad. It's not like the relief pitching was bad. Hendricks gives up a big home run at the wrong time. We can debate that decision. Jeffers came in and gave up a home run. But in general, we feel like the pitching staff had gotten to a point where they could have performed in these playoffs, right? Especially with how weird it is. But the offense just wasn't there. It was never going to matter what those things, you know, what the rest of the team did. And we saw the same story in 2018, right John Lester was good in that wild card game against Colorado right the pitching was good in that game against Milwaukee in 163 the offense just isn't there mm-hmm. if the pitching isn't perfect they just don't have a chance yeah. lately so that's that's really what the problem is and again you, you kind of have to look at this i i think on an individual level for all of these players i don't think you can lump them together um, I think you can I really do I think you can Well lump them I, I just meant I just meant you're, you're going to have to make a decision on each of them going forward. You know what I mean? Some of the, you know, you can't get rid of or keep everybody. I think you have to make, you know, you figure out which direction you want to go on an individual basis. But but to your point, I, I, I agree. Like, whatever the approach is, whatever th- the way that this offense was built to succeed, it, it just isn't working anymore. And I, again, I know you don't want to get crazy on just playoff samples but we've seen this team struggle throughout the regular season despite winning a lot of games because the talent is is there on a level that is strong enough to win games right especially in a division that isn't very good right but in terms of being at that elite level being at that level where you know this team is at the top of the division they're a threat to win the world series it just isn't there and it hasn't been there for three years And at some point, you can't just keep running the same thing back because it isn't working.
0: You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle or Wendy's or the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Division and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I, you know, I wish I had a direction. I think that's that's the worst thing about this is you you knew even after twenty seventeen what. You could expect in 2018 you just had Quintana you had some stability in the pitching staff you assume that what happened in 2017 can be uh, fixed with uh, maybe a new coaching staff a new philosophy you get rid of Chili Davis you bring in someone else and and you see what happens or rather you bring in Chili Davis after 2017 and and you see what happens and you know that simply is not the answer like a new hitting coach is not going to be the answer despite me being annoyed with the weird approach and the extremes of the passivity this year, this is not a hitting coach issue. And I, and you may be surprised I'm saying this, Corey, because I've always been bashing iaposi a little bit lately. But we're not even bashing. You know what I mean? But th- this is just who these guys are, man. And maybe if the league didn't change in 2017, they would still be one of the best teams, and they would go on to have that dynasty idea, whatever that may be for you guys. But maybe that's what would have happened. But I, I think at the end of the day, like, you can't fix it. This this is who they are. They have holes in certain particular parts of the zone that are exposed to everyone, that everyone has the same issues against. And when the Cubs are going through their drafting process and developing process, Corey, it is no surprise to me that some of these hitters are so similar because you're using the same assessment measures to draft these guys, to develop these guys. Of course, they're going to have the same issues and maybe some of the same strengths. And what we've seen in the past few years, and especially in the 2020 draft, you've seen a little bit of a different approach where you're drafting Nico Horner, a contact first guy, a little bit higher up. You're drafting Ed Howard, who's a contact guy, a little bit more higher up than what we've seen with drafting Schwarber and the power and KB and the power and the whiff issues he had at the time at, at San Diego, it's, it's now starting to shift a little bit in terms of the philosophy. But my confidence in this new philosophy that Theo's trying to employ and the front office is trying to employ, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if I should be confident about it, because this, this is shifting your philosophy away from what worked seven years ago. And it made sense seven years ago. You stack up on the talent of the hitting. You buy pitching. It worked. You won a World Series. Boom, done. Great. But now you're playing catch-up. You're trying to emulate what other teams are doing. You're trying to emulate what the Dodgers are doing and the Rays and the Twins and the Athletics and the Astros to some degree when they're not cheating. But you're playing catch-up. And you want to be at the forefront of innovation. You don't want to be playing catch-up. And I do really wanna see how Justin Stone and Craig Breslow work in a capacity that is that is normal in a normal season without COVID to see if they can, you know, use some of these new tech that they're bringing in. I want to see if that's gonna work. But, you know, Rizzo's 31, Schwarber's getting up there in age, Chris Bryan has one more year free agency, as does everyone else basically on this team. They're up there in age. It may be too late for these guys. And I don't think they can be fixed in these holes up and in, in the zone and the breaking balls down and away. I just don't see that being fixed right now and just looking at some of these zone profiles i'll put this out maybe like a blog post at some point in the next few weeks when I'm you know not as depressed right now. But you can see it visually. I don't even need numbers to do this. You just go to Baseball Savant, look at the fastball zone profile from 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. It gradually goes up and up and up and up in the zone, towards their hands, and you know what the approach is. You've seen it. You've watched these games. You know exactly what they're trying to do, and there seems to be no answer. It's not Iaposi. It's not Chili Davis. It wasn't John Malley. It's maybe not Justin Stone for the core guys. For the minor leaguers, yes. I think there is a lot of reason to be excited about it. But if you want to fix Schwarber, you want to fix uh, Chris Bryant and Javi and Willie and all these guys with their holes, I think it might be too late right now. Or if it isn't too late, you can't be confident that it can be fixed because we've had three coaching staffs. You've had multiple ways of trying to fix this we had weird approach changes for all these guys. Some of them have gone through minor league stints even. It's not working, man. I don't know what the answer is. And I know everyone's frustrated. I know the players are frustrated. The front office is clearly frustrated. And it's not to say screw you, front office, or screw you, players, because that's not the right approach. They're trying their absolute best. They're probably as dumbfounded as we are. And that's a terrible place. That is the shittiest feeling in the world to to throw out every ounce of effort and not get the results you want. Because then what? Then what do you do? Then you feel lost. And I get the sense that's where they feel right now. They feel lost, and they don't even know where to go to fix this. And that that is the shittiest thing to feel, Corey.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I I think the—I mean, you're right. I I mean, and again, like, you know, this, this group was built on offense. They were supposed to thrive on these hitters. And, you know, obviously, you're coming off another similar playoff performance. But you're also coming off, and it was only a 60-game season, but you're coming off a year where these guys that were supposed to be, you know, developed into the stars and, you know, carrying this team and carrying this offense, you've got a lot of them just in a bad place right now. And, Again, there, there's varying degrees, but you have a you're coming off a season where Javi was the worst qualified hitter in the league. I mean, you're that, coming think off a about season. That, Corey
0: Kavi Bias was. Oh, I the, know. Oh, I've thought about it. I right know now. you have. But to, to hammer this nail down in our brains right now, which I'm sure we all want, Javi was the worst hitter in the league this year, guys. <laughs> the worst hitter in the league. He almost won an MVP two years ago. Do you see the extremes we're talking about? And you can track and look at this the, the scouting report changes from then and now. Can he fix that? I don't know. Do you want to extend someone after an extreme like this? I, I don't know. Are you comfortable giving Javi $150 million? I don't know. I'm not saying yes or no. I'm saying I don't know. And that is a terrible place to be.
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, just, I don't know, man. Yes, it's know. it's just a rough spot, yeah. It and it's it's again, like you, you're you're gonna have to decide how you value this particular season. But the the fact of the matter is that you're you're just going into an off season. You're going into the final year of contracts for a lot of these guys, and a lot of them just aren't in a good place. I, I mean, really, Hap and Hayward were the only ones who finished in a spot where you're feeling good about it. You know, you feel good about the changes that Ian Happ made and the way that he was able to carry that into this season and play at the level he did uh came back from, you know, that ball that hit him in the eye and you know had had a bit of a slump but you know showed up in these playoffs and and showed up in some big moments and you're pleased there, you're pleased with the resurgence from Hayward and what you saw from him after the years of him putting the work in but everybody else just didn't finish on a good note and they're they're all different but you know Schwarber didn't build on that second half of 2019 where he outperformed Nick Castellanos. You know, he had a very up-and-down season, not all that unsimilar to some of the other ones that we've seen from him. Rizzo didn't have a Rizzo-characteristic season. KB was, you know, barely better than Javi and had a bunch of injuries again. Javi, again, was the worst qualified hitter in the league. It it just isn't a place where you want these guys to be, and, and it's going to raise some questions as to what you do going forward. But I, I think what is clear to me and i don't know how they accomplish this but what is clear to me is you have to diversify the approach in this lineup yeah as i said the 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 six guys have been such hallmarks of this lineup for several years now and when this team was going through 2015, going through 2016, and and really even largely 2017, you really felt like an offense that was driven by some of these guys could compete at that top level, right? And that's just not what has happened for years now. And... I think you have to try and make some changes, even if it is just getting guys who maybe the overall output is similar from a WRC plus or a war perspective, whatever it is, but you just need guys that have a different profile. And I, I don't, I have no idea what a 2020 version of Ben Zobrist would look like. So that's not exactly what I'm saying, but you need more guys like that. There was a reason that they targeted Ben Zobrist in 2016. There was a reason that you felt his impact the way that you did because he was different than the rest of these guys. You know, he was not a slugger, a a guy that you were looking to to hit a 450-foot home run. He was a guy who was going to put those good at-bats together, take his walks, and make a ton of contact, right? But largely good contact and they just don't they they need more diversity in this lineup yeah. i think that that is clear it it again like you don't want to put too much stock in just playoff performance but these problems have persisted for years they they were certainly visible in 2018 when that team uh, had so many games where they scored one or zero runs and what you saw to end that season despite that team winning 95 games those problems were there and they were back in 2019 and they were back in 2020 so you you can't just dismiss those things and again none of this is to say that you know these guys all stink you know i i i 100% don't expect that these guys numbers would look like they did in 2020 over the course of a full season if they were healthy and they played a full season and and things were normal I I, I don't think it looks like this right I don't think that all these guys are suddenly just bad but this is the the at least the third straight season where the the problems the conversations the discussions that we're having are exactly the same mm-hmm. When in 2018, when Theo did that postmortem and he said the offense broke, it never really got fixed, right? And that didn't mean it couldn't perform. It didn't mean that it couldn't win games. But the, the failures and the flaws that were going to lead to those failures were always there. They've been there and they've shown up every time. And so, again, I, I it, it's very hard to figure out what the course of action here is. And we don't even know... I, you know, Theo, There, there's reports of, of Theo's future and, you know, because his contract is also coming up at some point. So there's a lot to discuss. There is a lot to think about with this team and the direction of this team combined with the unknowns of the entire world. I don't know what the answer is, but I think we, you know, again, to be having the same conversations I I just think you have to find a different way forward. Like I said, if if this had come down to the you know the offense was showing up and and these losses were you know, uh, nine to eight and the bullpen, you know, just fell apart or the starting pitching wasn't good, even though it had been good all year. It just, you know, Hendricks and Darvish had blowups at the wrong time. Maybe this conversation is different, but that's not what happened. And to just keep doing the same thing is nuts. Mm -hmm. And you've got to figure out a way to shift things around a little bit. I, I just don't think you have a choice.
0: Yeah. I mean, you do have no choice, but at the same time, it's like, what can what can you do? They went over the luxury tax again, presumably. Uh, this according to COTs contracts. You can go look at it yourself. But they they went over again, so that means if they go over again in twenty twenty one, they're going to get penalized like no other in terms of paying penalties for going over in terms of the revenue sharing program. That could be dozens, dozens upon dozens of million dollars. That the that the Rickus family would you would lose, and now this is happening during a time where the financials for the Cubs aren't even clear with the Marquee Network. We don't know what the loss was for that. We don't know what the loss was for not having a full season with fans at Wrigley Field. This all coming during contract years is like a nightmare, dude. I feel like I I, I don't know where you can go from here. I don't know how you can overhaul a roster. But stay competitive, all while getting underneath the luxury tax and staying there. I just that seems like an insane task for Theo to accomplish, and maybe he's up. Maybe he's up for it, right? But he himself has said, you know, ten years and one organization, and that's typically the time span I'm comfortable staying. Ten years is up, and with all these important decisions, I'm not saying goodbye, Theo. You know, I love Theo Epstein, but. With all these important decisions coming, and with Javi and KB and Rizzo, their contracts are almost up, I I kind of want someone who's going to be here for the next five years to be making those decisions. And if it ends up being Jed Hoyer, great. I'm, I, I think I'm fine with that. I'm not sure. But I, I want someone who's going to be with this team for the next five years or so, or assuming the next five years or so, making these decisions. Maybe Theo's capable of making these decisions and leaving, and blah blah, blah, but i i don't I don't want that. I want someone to take take control here and and have a little bit more of a different perspective. I don't know what that looks like, but one one last point um that I wanted to bring up for for the approach thing, Corey, that you said, like you want to diversify the approach. And at first, my thinking was you got to bring more contact in this lineup. I don't know if I'm thinking like that anymore. I don't think this is necessarily black and white for contact versus power. I I don't think that's what it is. I think it's easy to believe that, and I understand why because I I think I believed that too for a while, but I don't think it's simply that. I am totally fine bringing in another guy who strikes out a lot and hits a lot of home runs and doesn't make a lot of contact if his weaknesses are different than Javi Baez. Because if you have Sonny Gray, we've seen it time and time again, and Sonny Gray scares the hell out of me. When he's on the mound, I'm expecting him to get no hit. In in my like in my mind, his sliders low and away are burned in my in my amygdala. Completely burned. Okay. That's the diversification I'm talking about. If you can bring in a different power hitter that's going to not struggle against a Sonny Gray portfolio, I'm fine with it. Now, on the other hand, if you bring in a contact guy that has the same issues as these power hitters, what good does that serve? Now you're going to have weak contact against the same pitches that are getting everyone else out. I don't think it's as simple as diversifying in terms of contact versus power balancing. I think it's diversifying in terms of smoothing out the extremes by not having the same struggles from three, four, five, six, seven in your lineup. And I think that's hopefully what we're gonna to try to see this this offseason. And hopefully once this next core kind of transitions away, the next group in like the Brennan Davises and the Cole Rotorers and the Chase Drums, maybe those guys will have different ways of struggling. And I and I and I understand you can't predict this. Like in 2016, 2017, Corey, you could not predict this. No one predicted this. No one predicted this dramatic shift in philosophy. And this this is not to say that Theo should have. I don't think anyone could have. There was only a few people who were making these types of decisions and look what happened. I mean, Kyle Bodie, who's now the director of pitching for the Reds, he was running driveline and getting you know everything up and going five years ago. Now look at him. He's running major league organizations and all of his uh, people who work for him are getting jobs elsewhere with MLB organizations. This is this is a different era. And I think really where I'm at right now is trying to accept that it is a different era. And maybe Theo in this front office is not is not the group to do this. As difficult as that sound. and it's not to take away from their success and accomplishments because they deserve every bit of that innovation. Everyone, A lot of these teams copied the baseball hierarchy in the front office that the Cubs employed when Theo was hired. Look at what they did. They, they themselves changed the way a lot of these front offices operated. But there comes a point where other teams, other people will innovate, and they're going to pass you. It's just natural how this game works. I think they've been passed... I don't think they can get above it at this point, and I, I, it hurts me to say it, but if Theo's not going to be here, man, just step down now. Just let someone else make these decisions. Who's going to be here for the long term?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing to remember with Theo in particular, uh, especially you know, as we hear the talk of him meeting with Tom, and you know, they're going to talk about the the direction of the organization, is he's always been a ten year guy right? So this has all been much like the way this plan started in the first place. This has all been a a part of the plan. So anytime you're hearing talk of is Theo going to stay? Is he going to leave? He has always talked about how he does not want to remain in a place for more than 10 years. He he believes that's too long. Uh, It's a philosophy he's had for a long time. Right? So none of this is you know, gonna be like him getting thrown under the bus or anything like that. It's exactly what Brendan is saying. What the question is is his contract is up in in the near future as well. And he he's I, unless he's changed his mind right over the course of this, he was never going to stay beyond that, right? Uh, so the question becomes you have a lot of potentially very large decisions to make. And the question becomes, is he going to be the person to make them or is somebody else going to make them? I don't know what ultimately that is going to be. Um, I I do tend to agree with you that if they're going to undergo, if they're going, you know, if they don't believe the, the money is going to be there because of what's going on in the world um, and they don't believe that the trade value is there for some of these guys to, you know, really dramatically change what's going on here, um, then... I, I think, you know, he can play out his time here, and, and I think that's fine. But I think if they're going to, bl- you know, blow things up or do some crazy stuff, it, it might be to the benefit of the organization if if he is going to leave at the end of his contract to let the person who's ultimately going to be given this team maybe make those decisions. I, I just think that's—I that's, think like any business, I think that would make sense yeah. in—, in how you were going about things but you can see um,
0: a scenario where and it, it may make sense where as you said you can't trade chris bryant or javi baez or wilson Contreras or whomever you're thinking about for the value that you need to sustain your competitiveness so then maybe you're left at no no other opportunity but to keep these guys for one more year and then if that's the case you want to ride it out and try to flip the coin and see if you, you can get into the world series that way Maybe that is the only realistic avenue to go about doing this, and then after 2021, then you make those decisions. Maybe that's what they're going to have to do. Maybe they have legitimately no choice. And then on that end, that kind of sucks. But like even with their holes, they should still be competitive next year. It's just you know what to expect, and the possibility is they go through spells like this, they will go down in the in the bunker and not score runs for two months. And that's going to be unsettling for a lot of people, but they may
1: they may have no choice, Corey. I, I will just point out, though, um, as we talk about Theo, um, you got to remember that what we're talking about here is the future of the organization, especially yeah. I given— I love Theo, dude. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm getting to. It, yeah. it, the, we're talking about the future of the organization, given the premise that Theo has always said he's not going to stay somewhere— for more than 10 years. So that is why this discussion is happening. If you're a listener of this podcast for any amount of time, Brendan and I have had to offer the caveat that we do not believe Theo is infallible on dozens of occasions. So <laughs> if you're misconstruing this conversation as us, you know, thinking Theo is is bad or something along those lines, you 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 have the wrong context for that uh, because this is the wrong. I, again, like we've been accused and had to defend ourselves against being uh, treating Theo closer to a, a you know a, a deity like fi- figure. Uh, so that is not what's happening here. The, the This conversation comes from this team has not succeeded in the playoffs on any level for um, three straight seasons now. and he's always, always, always said, that it's a 10-year thing, and he doesn't like to go beyond that in one particular assignment. So that's why this conversation is happening, because this is just where we are right now. Um, But that's going to be the key thing, and that's what we're going to have to look at, is no matter how we've—and we've talked about ownership, and we've talked about ownership, spending money, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about that, all right? So no matter your feelings on that, all these teams are taking losses, this year they're all bleeding money right none of them were allowed to have fans going forward we don't know what that's going to look like right even if they're able to do in 2021 what some of these NFL teams and some of these college teams have done where it's limited capacity everybody's wearing masks whatever you're still not getting the revenues that you always would have wanted right and in some of those scenarios, that might not even include concessions and hot dogs and beer and stuff like that. So it's not going to be like, you know, a financial resurgence in 2021 unless uh, something with this situation and a vaccine or anything like that is dramatically different over the next several months. So given that, and as we've said, given that some of these guys, their their trade value just isn't there right now. Um, it's going to be a very tricky spot. And I think you're going to have to balance out. You know, we were, I, I in this past off season. I remember when the Chris Bryant rumors were going around, and we were hearing some of the rumored packages and, you know, stuff with the Braves and like Austin Riley and, and guys like that. And most of us were like, Pff, no, right? <laughs> like, no, yeah. we're not trading. Like, obviously, Brendan and I never wanted to trade Chris Bryant. But the The packages that were out there were just like, no, this is not what we're doing. They're not; those packages aren't going to be there now, right? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, even
0: talking about the Angels with you know Adele and uh, David Fletcher, like, they're, yeah, they're not those gonna be aren't going to be there
1: now. You've got a guy who had a bad performance in another year that had him see a good portion of injuries that affected his performance. It's not going to be there. So they're going to have to evaluate all this. And I don't want to set you up for disappointment here, um, but it is unfortunately very possible that there is not a path to aggressively changing or fixing or even, you know, building that road toward that. This offseason, that's just the reality. As I said before, this is probably the worst time for This type of a situation because it it just may not be there. And I don't know what free agency is going to look like. You know, perhaps if nobody's spending money, then you're able to look at free agents and everybody's kind of on that same level playing field. Um, But we don't really know what that's going to look like. And so we're just going to have to kind of wait and see. But you've got a good, a good bit of guys coming off the books. or I, I mean, I guess the season's over. They're off the books. Uh, so you're going to have to figure out what you want to do there. I mean, just looking at the rotation, Jose Quintana's not under contract. Tyler Chatwood's not under contract. John Lester's not under contract. We'll deal with that when we have to deal with that, by the way. Um, so yeah. just right there you've got massive questions to answer as to what you're doing with your rotation. And, you know, then you look at the lineup, and you've got a lot of these guys in that last year, and you're going to have to decide what you feel like doing there. And and I don't know that there's a good path forward. Um, I think it's, we're just going to have to wait and see. And uh, we're going to have to see what this free agent market looks like, what the trade market looks like, and you're going to have to go from there. I, I think the the one thing to kind of hopefully uh, keep you in at least somewhat good of spirits is that this division stinks, right? Like the Brewers have gotten worse. Uh, they had that little window to capitalize on, um, you know, around they that always do. 2018 time. And, you know, they didn't do it. They, they didn't pay for They They never do. Right, of course. They they didn't pay for those big changes to put them over the hill. Uh, You know, obviously Kane opted out in this season, and he's getting up there in age. Yelich was, like Baez, just not good uh, in this particular season. Uh, despite, you know, being the 1-2 the for the MVP a couple years ago. Grandal left, etc. They didn't replace it. St. Louis is, you know, always a competitive team. We know that. They they have that devil magic working with them. They figure out ways to be competitive. Fuck but them. I don't yeah. in any way think you're looking at them thinking, oh, we can't compete with them, right? No way. And the Reds spent all this money. Everybody freaked out about how good they were going to be. They were going to win the division. Oh, my God. And they were terrible all year. And they scored zero runs in the playoffs. Somehow somebody scored less runs than the Cubs in two games and in in getting swept and that was the Reds so this division stinks so the 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 group is there to at least compete if you even are running it back and change a couple things on the margins like I don't think we need to be completely like oh my god you know we're never going to see a successful baseball team again but Again, I think what this comes down to is you just don't have that feeling that this team is at that cutting edge and is, you know, no matter what, just showing up and putting out a team that is competing at that highest level. You just don't have that vibe that I think you do if you look at a team like the Yankees or you look at a team like the Dodgers, where every year they, you know, they show up and you feel like they're. Gonna figure it out. They're gonna be at that top level. And the Yankees didn't win their division in this sixty-game year, but you know, they certainly showed up in the playoffs once a lot of those guys got healthy. The Dodgers, look, the Dodgers are a big bunch of it, losers. They're the biggest chokes, yeah. maybe in in sports, right? But they win the division, and they show up, and they win a lot of games, oftentimes 100-plus games. And you just feel that organizations like that are kind of how we felt about the Cubs in 2015 and 2016. You just had that vibe like our team knows what they're doing, and they're doing it better than everybody else. And you just don't feel that way about the Cubs right now. And it's it's not— on a complete level, you know, they they've done some good things. Again, there there were some good things that happened in this season and a lot of them are very important going forward. Kimbrell just Hap, as an organization. Hap, Hayward, yeah. yeah. Hayward, Hap. Kimbrel, Alzali, especially in Darvish. these last couple weeks. Some of these guys that, that we saw get opportunities in the bullpen that you still have under contract that you're Tommy going to be, able, mm-hmm, to be able to build stuff on. Kyle Hendricks had a great year. You, Darvish had an insane year. Like these, There, there were positives there. This was not a, a complete negative of a season. But again, all of this conversation, I think, is us operating at the level of Maybe not World Series or bust, but you want to be a yeah right. Let's be honest. (laughs) You want them to be a legit contender for the World Series championship and have that feel that they are operating on a level that is better than other teams. I
0: mean, you want people to feel as if they need to play
1: catch up, as we felt to the five years, yes. So that's that's going to be the question that you have to answer in this offseason. And maybe you're not able to get there from 2020 to 2021. But this team and this organization needs to get on a path to how do we get back to being at that top of the organization, the top of the hill. And it, it it's not going to be easy. But I th- there's a lot of good stuff in this organization and I think whether it's the the current group or or we change the front office a bit I I think that they will get the right group in there Um, I know that you know Tom in particular uh, deservedly so at times takes a lot of flack for cutting the spending at the wrong times and stuff like that but I I do believe that he wants to bring in a good group for this front office and and a group that is going to return this team to where we want it to be. Um, And again, we can have conversations. I've said a million times, he needs to spend more money, right? So don't come at me with that. But I I believe deep down that he wants to bring in, if they're going to change the front office, a front office that, like he did in the first place, he brought in Theo because Theo was at the top of the game. And I think that that's where they want to stay. Um, so we're just gonna have to see, uh, how that happens. Uh, but to summarize, uh, because it's been an hour and look, we have nothing to talk about, but this stinky team for a long time now. So if you guys want us to go back on stuff, we got all the time in the world, unfortunately. Um, but I think that's where it's at. I, I I think it's disappointing. And I think, again, this all falls on the offense. I, you know, we we talked about how we we wanted to talk about this and what we wanted to do here and we didn't even end up talking about some of the the other stuff that happened Uh, to me I don't care whether Ross left Hendricks in too long I know exactly what he was thinking he was thinking that this offense wasn't going to score um I I think he left him in a batter too long duh right (laughs) like obviously he left him in a batter too long uh, and I don't think it was a good decision. And I think over the course of this off season, we'll talk about David Ross. He wasn't perfect, right there there. He's got some stuff to learn. He's got some stuff to evaluate. Which and, he and, said so himself, by yeah. the way. Yeah. And he, and he has to grow as a manager, which again, duh, it was his first year. He only got 60 games in there. Um, so we can discuss all that. But at the end of the day, this offense and the overall performance, they weren't going to win shit. If that's what was going to happen, and uh, it's exactly what happened, and so that's that's why the majority of the conversation was there, and and that's where I think the majority of the conversation could be. I don't think that any any managerial decisions, any bullpen decisions, any starter decisions, none of that was going to mean shit if this offense showed up the way that we feared that they would, and that's what happened, you know. And it all goes back to when like that Pirates series, you know, leading up to in that final week, like there is a reason people freaked out. And I know some of you might think, oh, it's too negative or you're getting too down on the boys, blah, blah, blah. There was a reason people freaked out when this team couldn't hit Trevor Williams and couldn't hit Chad Cool, right? Even though they showed up in that series against the White Sox. That's why people freaked out about this stuff because these problems have been there. And the more they show up, the more you have to fear they're going to show up at the wrong time. And this is now the third straight season where they show up at the wrong time. And so I think that's where the majority of the focus is going to be. And we'll get into as we go through this offseason, you know, maybe we might have preferences for how to go about this and which players you should be, you know, keeping no matter what, which players you might be looking to move on from, or changes you might want to make. But as it's been for a while now, and certainly was throughout this 2020 season, it starts and ends with the offense. That that's The, the, the performance is not going to get it done, and for years now in the playoffs and in these uh, make-it-or-break-it games, it hasn't been good enough. So that was unfortunately the story of the Chicago Cubs, um, and I think it's it's summed up in that last game right and 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 we can kind of leave it at at that for now um but the final game the cubs played in 2020 jason hayward and ian happ had four of the five hits darvish was really really good in that game baez bryant rizzo schwarber a combined O for 15 And I'm reading this final line. I want to give him credit from Jordan Bastion, friend of the podcast, who perhaps we can have on this offseason to commiserate with us and give his perspective as someone that was there. He ends this, this, this tweet by saying, this final game was Chicago's 2020 season in nine innings. And that's exactly what it was. It was exactly the entire season boiled down to one game. A couple of the guys who had led the offense all year showed up, the big stars, the guys that won them a championship, the guys that showed up in the biggest spots. Some of these guys, these four guys, have the biggest hits in Cubs history. Nothing. And that was the story. That was the story all year. That was the story in these playoffs. And I think that that's what we have to linger on. And there's going to be a lot to go through. Um, but I think, you know, one of the quotes from Rizzo, uh, I thought summed it up pretty good. It was short, but sweet, just numb. It just sucks. And that's, that's what I think it was. But again, I think if you were anything close to surprised or shocked or uh, dismayed at what you saw, I really don't think that you should have been. This was exactly how this season was going to end. If if the flaws and the hurdles and that stuff was going to rear its ugly head, this is what it was going to be. It was never going to be you, Darvish, and Kyle Hendricks blowing it for this team. I don't even think it was going to be the bullpen blowing it for this team. It was always going to be whether the offense showed up or not, and they didn't. And so that is why it's the off season on October 4th, and we're only in the division round of these extended playoffs, and the Cubs will not be there, so you guys feel good everybody yeah. everybody good out there? you all feeling optimistic yes yes i'm I'm hearing a bunch of no's, crickets uh yeah guys it's it's it sucks uh I know we love this team and and that's really why it's so hard, and it's hard to talk about because. You know, we we love these guys, and and you don't want to talk about them in a way that feels harsh or, you know, too critical or degrading or anything like that. Um, But there has to be a way to talk about it critically and analytically and honestly um, at the same time while, you know, of course, staying respectful and grateful and thankful to these guys for not only the effort that they put in in 2020, but that a lot of them have put in for years. And so that's what I think we tried to do and, and hopefully that we did um, because ultimately the the passion and the anger and the sadness and the disappointment and everything comes from loving the Chicago Cubs and, and wishing that things had gone differently and that things had gone differently for years. Uh, but as as we head into the offseason and, and we'll sign off here, uh, Brendan's tapping his watch at me now because we're oh, yeah. over the— no the one hour mark uh yeah, we'll but i've this. got more to fucking say brendan
0: <laughs> 40 minutes later
1: <laughs> yeah i i i just want to finish on a note um you know that this isn't how we wanted this to end um but this this year of 2020 has been really really shitty Uh, finally I can say that Brendan fuck this year man (laughs) like every every time we do these episodes I beat around that bush it's been a really terrible year it's been a fucking awful year all right and finally we can like let that out and whether it was them coming back in summer camp or, or them starting this season um I'm I'm thankful to them for committing to this for doing this for the energy that they brought in that dugout, for the vibes they brought in that dugout. And, you know, there were a lot of fun moments in this season, despite uh, it not ending the way we wanted. And uh, I'm going to miss that. Again, I think that's that's really... You know what what comes first is you know that the that first day and you know now we've had a couple days here like I'm just sad that there's no Cubs baseball um you know there there's a lot lacking in 2020 just in terms of the the joy department and and everything like that um and knowing that there was that Cubs game at 705 central time or whatever it was every day was uh I mean really truly like a lone bright spot uh for these last several months Um, so I'm sad that, that they're not going to be playing anymore and, and they, they didn't get it done. And, you know, just like I think a lot of these guys feel it, it really sucks to watch, uh, you know, some of these guys who just mean the world to us, uh, struggle and not be able to perform and, and not perform up to the level that they want to, and that we want them to and, and everything. I think we're all in that together. Um, so, that's that's really where I am. I think Brendan and I are, are grateful to you guys for for tuning into this podcast twice a week while we've been talking about this team. And, you know, I think that it's been cathartic in a lot of ways for us to do. And I, I you know, hopefully for you guys to listen to just to kind of get away from everything else going on in the world uh, and the seriousness of everything else going on in the world. And uh, despite the playoffs soldiering on without us, we don't have that you know now we have to look to the future we have to talk about some shit that we don't want to talk about you guys think i want to fucking talk about john lester and his contract being over i'm miserable over here all right i've been reading these tweets i don't even, i i tweeted this the other day i don't even have the strength to talk about this
0: you don't know you if know. he's not going to come back or just, get, I, just I, let I, that's it why
1: rest. That's why I'm waiting. We're not going to talk about this until we've reached, you know, the the actual outcome here. But man, I mean, just like reading you, Darvish, saying that he his the only thing he was thinking about was pitching well enough to get John Lester another start at Wrigley Field. I mean, fucking kill me. And I read that tweet I was like are you guys kidding just like, get out of here with this weeks. it's been like it's been a, it's been like two hours since I got eliminated <laughs> from the playoffs you guys are already twisting the knife it's like give me five minutes to, to, to you know grieve from from just the season uh before we do this but yeah uh anyway um that's where we are. Uh, we're, we're, we're thankful for you guys listening to this podcast, participating on, on Twitter and social media and stuff like that. Uh, and we'll do our best. Unfortunately, Brendan and I are back to figuring out what the fuck to talk about for a while. Well, we, we always
0: I- figure it out, though. That's the thing. It's like, you know, you and I joke about this. But so, some episodes, we're like, what the fuck are we going to say? And it ends up being like, I have to cut out content. Yeah. <laughs> so we just go on and on. So maybe this is where we're going we're to be at our best. You, you never know, Corey.
1: I yeah, I maybe. I wish we didn't perhaps thrive in environments like this, but uh, uh yeah. how psychotic we are
0: at times. Yes.
1: Well, and I mean I think, you know, not to uh get too close to directly quoting Bane from Batman, but no, you're you know, dark. we were born in despair, you know. We were we were born in agony of being a Cubs fan and and just that lifestyle. So we we were not we're not new to this. We were born in it, we were molded by it. We were uh, created in its image, so we're we're ready for anything. But uh, yeah, I I don't know what this off season holds. And again, we we kind of thought we might experience this last year, and it didn't end up really being that significant. But I, I I would you know relax, collect yourself, hate watch against whoever you know is left in these playoffs that you want to hate watch against, um, and you know then get ready. It it might be a trying off season for us. It might. It might not you know, maybe nothing changes. Maybe it's a very similar thing. But again, the possibility is there that we're going to have to say farewell to some of the folks that have been uh, very important to us for the last several years. The possibility is there. And I would at least just advise you get yourself mentally prepared for that, whether it happens or not. But either way, Brendan and I will be here to break it all down. If we have nothing to talk about, something significant to talk about, we'll figure it out. Um, So, in conclusion not the not the ending we wanted but not an ending that i think any of us are surprised by so it sucks but we you know have a problem to diagnose we have a path to figure out and we'll be along for the ride as uh this organization tries to figure that out uh it was a fun year most of the time uh, <laughs> And I'm I'm sad that you know we don't have Cubs baseball more than anything else. But we will uh, continue to talk Cubs baseball in in the best way we can. As always, we thank you guys for joining us. Uh, and unfortunately, for the first time in a while, without this team taking the field, still, no matter what, we end by saying, "Go Cubs."
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran.